Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. My name is Craig Fields. And I am David Long. And you're listening to week 20 of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we go out of our way to try and see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. Yes, that is right, Craig. And along with our usual film reviews, we'll be bringing our box office rundown, news and DVD of the week. But I have been thinking... We've slightly diverted from DVD of the week, so mm. possibly do we need to change the name? Maybe we should to films that are no longer in the cinema and are now on general release and streaming services. Might be a bit long, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, so, the films we have on today's show are... So, today's show features American Animals. This is starring Evan Peters, Blake Jenner, Barry Keown, and Jared Abrahamson, uh, along with the real counterparts of whom these actors are playing. And if that doesn't make sense at all, all shall become clear when I review this film. We'll also be looking at The King of Thieves, another version of the Hatton Garden robbery, starring a mega ensemble with the likes of Michael Caine, Charlie Cox, Michael Gambon, Ray Winston, Jim Broadbrent, um, Tom Courtney, an endless list of stars. Absolutely incredible cast, but is it worth it? Stick around to find out. Uh, after that, we'll be reviewing Crazy Rich Asians, which has done very well in the US of A. But what did we think of it? True, and uh, we'll also be having a look at a film I saw about 30 minutes ago, The Predator. Um, and I'm really looking forward to reviewing this one, and I know Craig is as well. Yeah, it's- definitely. Interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, along with those, we'll also be looking at The Miseducation of Cameron Post, Mile 22 and Cold War. So David, how's your week been? How are you? Are you okay? Yes, I'm good. Um, as you know, our, our listeners may not, I started a new job recently. I had two weeks extensive training in London near Heathrow, which made my life difficult. I was commuting a lot. and Were you I, the commuter? I, <laughs> Yeah. Do you know the, the opening scene in The Commuter where Liam Neeson's just that same monotonous task? That was me. <laughs> the only thing is, is that my train didn't derail. No one was abducted and no one went flying no one out was, the window. No one was killed. I didn't attack anyone with a pick, you know, a pickaxe. Um, but no, interesting. And obviously we met up in Leicester Square. Yes, we did. Um, a, a fantastic Sydney world in the heart of London. <coughs> Um, are, are you okay? Do excuse me, I apologise. <laughs> um, no, it's a really, really great cinema. What did we see there? We saw Crazy Rich Asians, and I actually saw uh, The Predator in IMAX 3D there. Oh, you saw it in IMAX 3D? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, no, the um, the Cineworld in Leicester Square really is fantastic. They've got like these interactive screens on the steps that change. It's just a brilliant reception and some... Um, VIP seating as well in our super screen. They had like a balcony almost like you have at the theatre. And I don't, I mean, with my unlimited card, I went on, but these seats were unavailable. So I don't know if that was for the Queen or... Very well could be. For the the premieres of the films. Um, We'd also like to welcome James to the show. Um, James will now be running our social media. Um, 
so we're really excited for that. He's going to be... Uh, oh, here he is. In... Hello. <laughs> so, James is here Another in voice. person with us. Yeah. Um, so James is going to be in charge of our social media. And as always, please do get in contact with us. Um, and James will kindly pass on the messages because we really want people to be interactive, telling us what they've seen, telling us what they like, telling us what they think of the podcast. And as always, people who get in contact with us are very likely to receive two free tickets to any cinema world in the UK. Absolutely, and that follows on to our next part where Clive has... Uh, Is this Clive the Slug? Clive the Slug. Uh, so we've well, got I a... don't, it's not Clive the Slug, but it's, um, the, 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 his Twitter handle features Clive and an underscore and uh, the word slug. Um, <laughs> and the, his profile picture is um, of a yellow slug on the laptop. So... Fantastic. So we've got the gaming bear and the laptopping slug. Super. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so Clive, um, we're going to read out your, your message to us um, and then you are potentially going to win some tickets from this. Um, so let me go ahead and, and read, read the message. So uh, Clive says... Black Klansman is a very good film, but is it best picture material? On the face of it, Lee has cleverly managed to use an unknown and extremely interesting story and make a highly entertaining film whilst making very relevant and disturbing points about the US today, if not very subtly. A great ride, but full of implausibilities added for added entertainment. Very effectively, but for me, at the expense of the really great film that this could have been. It's well above average for a crowd pleaser, but not a classic for me. But then comes the montage at the end, genuinely shocking and disturbing. Does that make a difference? Yep. Not in quality for me, but with the politics of Hollywood, this is worthiness enough to make it a best picture contender. Yes, I think it probably is. So that's from Clive the Slug. Clive, we are going to give you two tickets <laughs> to the cinema. Now we're just calling him Clive the Slug. <laughs> Sorry, Clive. <laughs> Clive, we, we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so, David, what do you think of that of that message? Then? I think um, that is an absolutely fantastic uh, message. Uh, Clive really hits the nail on the head there, uh, particularly about how the film exaggerated some elements of the story for cinematic effect. Um, but also what he says about best picture material. Now, as a whole film... Like I said in my review, it's it's solid. It's just a very solid film. Bang. You know, you can walk out and say that was a solid film. But the ending is so powerful. And like Clive says, in the current political climate, of all the films I've seen in, well, many, many years, I've never come out of the cinema having been punched so hard by the director at the end. And for that reason alone... Um, I really think, I don't think this will win Best Picture, um, but I would be very, very surprised if this doesn't get a Best Picture Oscar nomination, um, along with um, Black Panther. I think Black Panther and Black Klansman will both be nominated, um, and rightly so. Yeah, I, com I completely agree with you on that one. And, and, you know, we have been looking at the Oscars as well um, in, to see how many films could potentially be nominated. And it's, it's roughly, it was last year, was nine films. I'm not sure how it works, but do you, do you have the lineup of what could potentially yeah, be? Yeah, so um, I've had a little look at the market, and the, the two films that stand out at the top is A Star Is Born and First Man. You know, after, after their screenings, there's been a lot of talk about both of them, um, and they are currently joint favourites for Best Picture. But you've also got Roma, Black Panther, If Beale Street Could Talk, Boy Erased. Um, beautiful boy, Black Klansman, uh, and then a, and a couple that have got outside chances. Uh, a Quiet Place. Um, some people think that's in 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 with a chance of getting a Best Picture nom nomination. But one that I do think has a a a, a very good chance is Hereditary. Um, I I really wouldn't be surprised to see that get um, a Best Picture nomination or um, Best Actress. 
I, I think best actress. Um, I'm not sure about best picture. I think the film was definitely spoiled at the end. It was in spoiled. Some regards. It, it was spoiled at the end, but for a horror, it was so unique and it was so original. And if you cut the last five minutes, you've got a f- fundamentally fantastic piece of cinema. So I'm not saying it will be nominated. You know, we, we... I, I, I think it might be nominated. Yeah. Oh yeah, but not... I don't think it's going to win. Oh no, of course it's not going to win. We're talking about films that are going to be nominated. You mm. know, and and I think you, you've got four or five films that will definitely be there. A Star is Born, First Man are two of them. Uh, Black Klansman's another one, I think. Um, Roma as well. But Outside Chances, A Quiet Place and Hereditary, there is a bit of talk, and rightly so, because mm. they were, they are the two standout horrors of the year. Um, but I'm really excited. Craig knows how, how excited I am. This time of year, October, November, December, Oscar season, and I can't wait to see some of these films. Um, we mentioned it last week, but I'll mention it again. The Star is Born, the trailer is... is Superb, isn't it? The music is instantly catchy. Um, Lady Gaga stands out um, straight away. Um, it's beautifully shot, and it's um, a directorial debut for uh, Bradley Cooper. Um, but And there's already talk about Lady Gaga uh, winning an Oscar. Uh, she'll definitely be nominated, I can guarantee you that. Um, but I'm really excited for this film and also um, First Man. Yeah. Well, we're seeing uh, Star is Born next week. Yes, and we will bring you a, rev- a review of that before it's actually out. We will. Um, and we are really excited for that. So that's our slightly extended introduction because me and Craig, uh, well, I've had a can of Red Bull, so, so waffling on. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk for an hour, but we will now go over to our usual box office rundown. This is the Box Office Rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's the Box Office Rundown for the weekend of September 14th to the 16th, 2018. David, kick us off at number 10. So at number 10, we have The Meg, starring Jason Statham. It's been out for six weeks. It's grossed 15.5 million. Um, and do you know what? This has done pretty well. Um, yeah, when not, we, not bad. When we saw the trailer, I had major concerns that it was going to be a disaster. It actually wasn't. Uh, I found it quite entertaining. Um, and that comes in at number 10. In at number nine, we have Hotel Transylvania Free Summer Vacation. That's uh, been in the box office for eight weeks. It's taken £18.4 million, took £300,000 at the weekend. Um, And I said last week that this, I'm sure, was going to be out of the box office. um, But it's still there, in at number nine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't a a huge fan of this film, uh, but I was a fan of the film above it at eight. The Incredibles 2, it's been in the box office for ten weeks and it has taken £54.7 million, and rightly so. It's a fantastic film. If you still haven't seen it, it I believe it is still showing, actually, in some places. Yeah, yeah. Um, go and see it. Um, it's a fantastic film. In at number seven, we have Black Klansman. That's been in the box office for four weeks. It's taken £5.4 million and took £400,000 at the weekend. Um, we love this film. Yes. <laughs> but. But. That is not great numbers. I mean, these sort of films. Do you think it's a slow burner? Yeah, I mean, if you look at films such as Black Klansman, um, a film that we're going to be reviewing this uh, on today's show, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, mm. um, you've got 
films like Tully, um, loads of certain films that are a bit more drama-based. Um, American Animals, another one we're going to yeah. be reviewing today. These are all really great films, but they don't seem to take as much money. They're not blockbuster films um, mm. like the rest of the films that are somewhat in our box office rundown. They, these, they take considerably, considerably more money. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, um, Black Klansman may not even be in the top 10 next week because obviously the box office is done by weekend gross. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm going to skip ahead slightly um, and reveal what's at number two, and I'll explain why. So the Nun is at number two with seven point seven million, and Black Handsman has only grossed five point four, and I think that's a real shame. So I would like to encourage our listeners to go and see this film because it is fantastic. Um, like our good friend the Slug said, <laughs> it's Clive. It's just, oh, just Clive. oh, sorry, Clive. I just <laughs> called him. Oh, I'm sorry. What's in at number six, David? Uh, at number six, it's Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Um, unbelievable. Nine weeks, 63.9 million. There's a sing-along version coming out. There's probably a fancy dress version coming out. Oh, every, <laughs> you know, it, I mean, what is going on with... Um, you enjoyed this, though. I enjoyed it, but there, I think there is something fundamentally wrong when you have films like Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again and... Um, the Greatest Showman absolutely rinsing up at the box office, taking, you know, 50, 60, 70 million pounds. And you've got fantastic films like Black Klansman, you know, really struggling financially. I just think it, it is a shame. Do you think that's struggling financially, though? 5.4 mil? For the, for the ambitions the film has, I think they will be disappointed with how it's done at the box office. Hmm. I'd like. I'd be interested to see how much it costs to make and whether they've made the money back. Yeah, well, um, from the UK box office, but I mean, in worldwide total, I think it's probably done quite well. Yeah. Um, I imagine this has done much better in the states than it has here. And also, just quickly before we move on, the name. Now, this may sound sound strange, but films with strange names often tend to do badly at the box office. Yeah. The Shawshank Redemption, considered one of the best films of all time, completely flopped at the box office because nobody knew what the hell it was about. Now, this one, is it Black K Klansman? Is it the Black Klansman? You know, and, and also the name, Black Klansman, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's not something that people think, oh, I want to go and see that. It's mm. a strange name for a film. Um, and I think that reflects the box office. You know, Shawshank flopped at the box office. It was one of the greatest films of all time. Mm. Um, but I really would like to see those numbers go up. Um, but above that, um, above Mamma Mia, sorry, at number five, we have Christopher Robin. Um, it's been out for five weeks. It's taken £13 million. I've seen it twice. Liked it a lot more the second time um, and would really recommend it. Kids will enjoy it, but actually I think this is a better film for adults to go and see who want to relive their childhood. In at number four, we have King of Thieves. This has been out in the box office for one week. It's taken £1.5 million. Um, and we're going to be reviewing this on today's show. Yes, we will. And we'll also be reviewing what is at number three, which is Crazy Rich Ali <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> Crazy Rich a Aliens. I'm so sorry. I don't. It's this kind of Red Bull. It is not Crazy Rich Aliens. It is Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, and it's been out for one week and it's taken £1.6 million. And I'm really looking forward to reviewing this. Um, above that, at number two, as I said earlier, is The Nun. So this has been out for two weeks and it's already taken 7.7 .7 million. It's been a box office smash in the UK. I know it's done very well in America as well. Um, and it wasn't a great film, if I'm honest. Um, the plot was fairly ridiculous and I was, I was disappointed. Mm. Well, in at number one, though, 
It's the Predator. It is it's the been, Predator. It's been out for one weekend um, and it's grossed £2.4 million. Pounds, um, and we're going to bring you this review today. Mm. A very interesting, interesting. film. Um, <laughs> so I will give you the full rundown from number 10. So at 10, we have The Meg. 9, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation. 8, Incredibles 2. 7, Black Klansman. 6, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. 5, Christopher Robin. 4, King of Thieves. 3, It's Not Aliens, It's Asians. Crazy Rich Asians. 2, The Nun. And at the top, Praying. Predatoring. The Predator. So it's time for our first review of week 20 and it is American Animals and this will be reviewed by the fantastic Craig Fields. So American Animals, it's... It's a strange film. It's it's a strange blend of two different elements. Um, it's a dramatisation of a heist that goes wrong. So back in 2004, two boys, they decide that they're going to nab some very rare and, of course, high-value books from a university that they go to, uh, from the university library um, that they go to in Kentucky. So I said it was a strange blend of films, but that's because it, it has this interview with the real-life versions of the characters that's interwoven within the film. And it, it's a little bit like I, Tonya, um, where the interviews, they're giving their different takes on what happened within the film. Um, and it's the same with this. Um, you've got this very unreliable narrators within the film. And so the two two main protagonists uh, is Spencer, played by Barry Keown, and Warren, who's played by Evan Peters. And 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 Spencer, he's an artist, and he somewhat strives for for something more to improve his art. He he's stuck. He feels like life is somewhat mundane. Warren, on the other hand, is described as like a wild card. He he will find trouble wherever he goes. Um, neither are sure where the idea came from to steal these books, but Warren argues that Spencer planted the seed, while Spencer believes Warren suggested it, but we'll never really know. Um, but if we take a listen to this clip, and then we'll go into the proper review of this film. You ever wonder, um, he ended up being born you here and not someone else? Do you ever feel like you're you're waiting for something to happen? But you don't know what it is. But it's that thing that could uh, make your life special or important in some way. Yeah. With what? Exactly. Like what? So they, they end up falling into doing this heist. Neither of them really know what they're doing. So they end up watching loads of different films about heists, things like Point Break, um, trying to educate themselves. Um, 
and then they were they're away. They're they're planning this heist. They're do, they're going through with it, but neither of them actually think they'll actually go through with it. And we find out with the interviews with the real life counterparts that that neither of them actually thought they would actually carry out this heist. They they end up not wanting to actually hurt anybody. Um, they want to do this in the in the best way possible. Um, it's just a way of do, doing something to in, enhance their lives almost. Um, but that's not the case. Um, they end up having to recruit more people in, um, and and something rather horrific actually happens um, during the film. And and you know what? This this was a really really great film. The way that they interspliced the the interviews with the real life counterparts, the way that they interview um, <coughs> the the people who like the mums and the dads, who the real lives mum mum and dads, and interspersed that within the film, but then also the way that the characters of the of the dramatized element interact with the real life counterparts. So there's there's crossovers where they're actually talking to each other in a dramatized way, and it it really added a different element. To, to the film and when that happened I was like yes that is that is brilliant a, a really great way of carrying the, f- the film forwards um Evan Peters is just phenomenal as Warren um and you really do get a sense of what he was like in real life obviously you have the real life counterpart there as well but he he matches the persona so well it's unbelievable so this it's it's a difficult film for me to say what else happens within the film because it would give away spoilers. <coughs> Bless you. I do apologise. It's that man <laughs> flu, Craig. It still lingers. Still lingers on. Um, but American Animals has been probably one of my favourite films that I've seen this year. Oh, wow. Uh, um, yeah. Um, one question I wanted to ask you, the clip you selected, um, I saw a brief clip of it. I obviously haven't seen this film. Visually, even from that 30-second clip, it, it looked really... Beautifully shot, very um, art housey, very sort of philosophical almost. There was a lot in that one clip. Yeah, um, it, it's it's very cinematic how yeah. how they shot the film, but but the interviews as well. They they were quite cinematic as well. Mm. It really added to the visual style. It really increased your viewability of the film as well. It wasn't a documentary. It wasn't a drama. It was something else. It mm. was mashed together into this this one creation, and 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 the director did a really good job with that. So you said it's one of your favourite films since doing the podcast. Mm. Wow. So I will ask you the question: If you have you finished your review? I have. Well, I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> so Craig, American Animals, is it worth it? Yes. Um, if you can get to a cinema that's still showing it, please do it. It's a really really worthwhile film. If you can't. Um, I'm sure it'll be out on on DVD fairly soon. And when it's out on DVD, I'm sure one of us will be recommending it on our DVD feature. Absolutely. Uh, So let's head on over to our next review. So our next review is Crazy Rich Asians. So this film um, stars Constance Wu as Rachel Chu, uh, Henry Golding as Nick Young. So Nick invites Rachel to come with him um, to Singapore to his best friend's wedding where he is the best man. Mm-hmm. Um Rachel is is dating Nick um, and this is the first opportunity that she's got to meet 
her uh, his parents. They've been dating for about a year, I believe. Yeah, so this is the, the, she knows nothing pretty much about Nick's background. Um, she knows nothing about just how rich mm. um, Nick's family are. Crazy rich. Crazy, <laughs> crazy rich. Let's listen to a clip of Nick inviting Rachel to the wedding. Colin's wedding. We've been dating for over a year now, and I think it's about time people met my beautiful girlfriend. Come on. I'm Colin's best man. Don't you want to see where I grew up? Meet my family, my Amara. I meet up with that strange college roommate of yours. Take Lynn. Mm-hmm. She Lynn. has been begging me to come visit her, you know. The universe has spoken. It wants you over there. Come to Singapore. I want the whole island to meet the brilliant Rachel Chu. So the first time Rachel gets a real idea of just how much money Nick has is when they fly to Singapore. They're escorted um, to first class where they have their own cabin with a big uh, widescreen television, a bar, a beautiful reclining bed and um, obviously fantastic service that comes with that. And, and bless Rachel, she's like, you know, we can't afford this. We can't afford this. Just exactly what do you do? And that's that. that is when we... Uh, the audience and Rachel start to get an idea of of the family, and in a number of clips, we see various color cousins and uh, relatives, um, and what they do, and just how much money they have, and it is big and brash and in your face. And when I mean rich, it, it literally like it it says in the title, it is crazy rich. You know, money for fun. Um, and suddenly, as an audience, we realise that bless Rachel, she has. Uh, fundamentally got into a relationship with a celebrity. This guy is well-known in Singapore and is craved after by hundreds and thousands of women because, one, he's a very uh, good-looking chap, but, two, he's also got a little bit of money, Craig. Well, three, he's next in line to inherit this this dynasty yeah. of a family's wealth and, and whoever he marries is going to inherit that money mm. as well. And and also what we were talking about off air is, in fact, they're not new money. They're quite old money. The film touches upon the fact that they came over from China in the late 1800s and they were some of the first settlers in Singapore. Um, so they have a real history um, of, of property development. Hence, they have so much money. And so the film starts, doesn't it, Craig, with a very sort of traditional rom-com feel yeah, yeah. Um, and more rom than com at the start. And we get to really like Rachel's character and then it's when they're flown out to Singapore, then some of the comedy comes in. But it's also actually when the film takes a slightly darker turn. Does it? Yeah. I was hoping you were going to reply to that in the sense that Rachel is, is she isn't welcomed. She isn't welcomed by the family. Um, she isn't welcomed by um, uh, other women at the um, hen party she goes on. Because obviously they go out for the wedding. There's a stag doing a hen party. And because she doesn't come from money, everyone thinks she's not the right person for Nick. And the film takes that darker turn where we see Rachel really, and in a number of scenes, be quite harshly treated. Yeah, in in a sense, I I agree with you that that is a somewhat darker turn. However, it's almost like a traditional movie plot. Something happens to to throw a spanner in the works. Mm. The true dark element of the film, I think, doesn't come until the near to the end when when you get into a much deeper personal level with mm. with Rachel's character and and um, and and uh, Nick's mother as well. So, uh, you know. That's when the darker elements come in, when she really becomes a spiteful person yeah. and, um, you know, does something that that really discredits Rachel. Um, 
and and we end up learning something about Rachel's past that I didn't expect to see in this sort mm. of film at all, which made it a bit more of a drama, a drama rather than than a than a rom com, and yeah. and I and that is what makes this film good. Mm. The 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 front end and the back end of the film, yeah, the I middle, agree. not so much. Um, it, it, yes, we know they're crazy rich from the beginning. Mm. Um, we know they're crazy rich at the end, um, but we'd get the ending that we, we somewhat wanted. But the middle, it's so explosively rich. It's almost so in your face. Yeah. You just don't need it. So, like Craig said, the, the start of the film is great, and we'll come on to the end in a minute, but the middle is too long. You could take 20 minutes at random of the, of that middle sort of, 45 50 and cut it because there are scenes where almost like uh, wolf of wall street where we see just complete elaborate crazy use of money and for this film it, i don't think it's needed we know they're rich like we can see they're rich and i just think the film drags um a little bit uh in the middle however in the middle of the film we are introduced to a fantastic character um it's a friend of rachel's who lives in singapore uh, Singapore and it's played by Aquafina and and she is um I said to Craig she's like a female Jonah Hill um it it's that kind of character that just really blunt but really funny really laid back and she is she brings a superb performance and just as the film is dragging in the middle I think she comes in and wakes us up yeah I, I completely agree with that I think she was outstanding along with uh, the, um, uh, Nico um, who plays Oliver one of the cousins um, or he's the, the rainbow sheep of yes. the family I think them, Ni- their two interaction um, with Rachel's character as well was just was superb and that actually was one of the saving graces of the middle despite yeah. it being too long And so and Nico Santos plays this very uh, camp and um, exuberant uh, fashion designer and he brings a lot of uh, really good comedy as well so like we've said I think the the start is brilliant and then I think it loses its way in the middle but let me tell you the end of this film and I'm not going to say what happens but the way it is done is absolutely superb there is some visually incredible moments isn't there Craig with the wedding the way it's shot um, the soundtrack and what they do uh, very cleverly with the soundtrack um, and it just makes the ending so powerful and you come out of the film thinking that was great and it's only let down is the middle which is too long um so it's almost like a roller coaster i think it really dips in the middle but the ending is such a high yeah brilliant performances the script is great at the end a lovely soundtrack and you come out feeling uplifted and happy and that's exactly what a rom-com should do i, I completely agree with you um so i'm going to ask you the question david crazy rich asian aliens <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what? It's Lewis and the Aliens. That's what's done this to us. David, Crazy Rich Asians, is it worth it? Yes, uh, I think this is really worth seeing. There's been a lot of talk about, I believe this is the first fully Asian cast for a Hollywood production. Yes. Um, and obviously it's it's great to talk about that, but hopefully in the future we won't have to talk about that because it will be much more common. Um, but do you know what? This was a really great film. Like I said, I think it's too long. I think the, the middle, there's a lot of scenes that could come out, but the ending is powerful. Uh, it's beautiful. And there is some really great comedy in this. Um and I, I really enjoyed it in Leicester Square. Uh, I wish it was a bit shorter, but overall, definitely worth seeing in the cinema.
So we are now going to review King of Thieves. Now, the first thing to say about King of Thieves is that it has an amazing cast. So we've got Michael Caine, Charlie Cox, Michael Gambon, Ray Winston, Jim Broadbent and uh, Tom Courtney. Um, and this film is about the Hatton Garden heist, the biggest heist in UK history. And the film explores the successful robbery that took place not that long ago, actually, in 2015, which saw four elderly men steal almost £200 million worth of diamonds and money. Now, this isn't the first time... Um, we've seen this on the screen. We've had nu numerous other films uh, about this heist. We had the Hatton Garden. Um, sorry, we had the Hatton Garden heist in 2016, the Hatton Garden job in 2017, and now the King of Thieves in 2018. Uh, and what we're going to do now is we're going to take a listen to one of the better clips of the film where we see two fantastic actors in Jim Broadbent and Michael Caine come together as their characters go head to head um, as they relive events from their past. Lynn never teach you nothing. Leave her out of it. Can't believe she stayed with you. What's the matter with you, Terry? Still bitter? Still got an axe to grind after all these years? If I had an axe to grind, Brian, you'd be the first to know about it. Don't try and bully me, son. I know how to treat bullies. I'll have you some f***ing chunks. Come on, then. Have a chunk. You can tuck me up while you're about it. Whoa, whoa. Turn it in. So we managed to see this film um, at one of the Cineworld Unlimited screenings that we had. And uh, we were quite excited to go in to see this film. Um, however, coming out of the film, the experience uh, was very, very different. So the, the film has certain comedic elements within it. It has very drama elements, uh, as you heard in that clip. Um, and then it has this this soundtrack that runs mm. underneath that's very almost whimsical in the sense where it's like dum 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 dum, dum. and it's very you know <laughs> typical Craig's doing a little jig here in the studio <laughs> it's fantastic but it's very it's, it's, it's your typical you know uh, Ocean's 8 style yes. heist music spot on but it's not Ocean's 8 no it's, and it's not, not quick not, enough and it's not the Italian job mm. it's neither of these films and for me it didn't work as a heist film at all. Um, the build-up to the heist was too long. The introduction of Charlie Cox's character, Basil, who nobody actually really knows what he was like because he is still missing. Nobody knows who this guy is. Um, so they probably took some creative elements mm. um, or creative... Uh, 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 what do they call it? L uh, liberties. Liberties, yeah. Um, f for that character. And, yeah, I just didn't... I didn't like this film. I'm just going to say that mm. straight away. Uh, I think you're right, Craig. I mean, for me, this is, I would describe it as a thoroughly frustrating affair and a massive opportunity lost. When I was in London last week working, the, the tube pulled in and I saw, having already seen the film, I saw the poster for King of Thieves and you see this array of names, Michael Caine, Michael Gambon, Ray Winston, Jim Broadbent, and you think, you know, this is superb. And today, before the Predator, I saw the trailer and the trailer's good. But the problem is, is the trailer has a lot of the funny bits um, and a lot of the more dramatic bits all in the trailer. And this film, whilst 
At times it's entertaining and whilst at times it's funny, the pace of this film is agonisingly slow. For me anyway, it was a real slog. It was like trudging through mud, like a real glue pot. Mm. So, you know, because you've got these fantastic actors, um, you want to go on this journey. So you're trying to walk through the mud, but it's just such bloody hard work. And I think a lot of that has to do with the script. I think the script is pretty atrocious. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. If I'm honest. So you've got this fantastic array of actors that are doing their best with what they've been given, but the script isn't great. And the main joke throughout the whole film is the fact that they're old. You know, we can see they're old because the actors themselves are old, but they, they play on this quite a lot. And, and in many ways, they play on it too much. And in some ways, they, they play on it in ways that some people might find quite offensive. There's a few jokes in here that are a little bit off, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, and that's coming from someone who is almost impossible to offend. I thought a few of the jokes, um, for example, where one of the characters is sort of joking about Alzheimer's, I just thought that was a little off for this film. There are no, There is no doubt that there there is some laughs in here. But as a heist film, it's the slowest heist ever. Now, you... You might say, well, David, that's because they were old and it was quite slowly done. Well, yes, but give give it to me in a way that's a little more exciting. You know, there were no police sirens. There was no chase. It was it was pretty dull. Mm. And, and yes, that's probably how it happened. But with movies, you can take these creative liberties mm. to allow for an entertaining piece of, of yeah. fiction of, of sorts. And, and, and that didn't happen with this film at all. It It really didn't. It didn't entertain me as I wanted it to be, as I, as I wanted to be entertained, and and, and a, a major problem for me was the likability of the characters. Now you mm. went into the film liking Michael Caine's character a, f a reasonable amount. Um, you 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 quite liked Basil. You quite mm. liked a few of the characters. And as the film went on, you start to not root for any of the characters. You start to dislike them quite mm. a fair bit. So by the end of the film, you have no allegiance to pretty much any of these characters. Despite Michael Caine's wife dying, you still don't really care. And and for me, you want to be walking out of the film caring about these characters, mm. and you just don't. Do you do, do you, would you agree or? Well, in, in I mean, at the end of the day, you've you've got to remember that they have stolen two hundred million pounds worth of, of of diamonds, and you know that that is other people's property. So I'm not necessarily sure we need to like them as such, but no. we need to we need to build a relationship yes, with them. Yes, exactly. And we didn't in this film, and I think a lot of that is because of the script. And also, so we've got a heist going on, and we've got these uh, four five um, elderly gentlemen that are involved in it. But at no point right until the end do we actually see any police officers, any people investigating this. And at the end, when we do see that side of it, there's no introduction to those characters. They're very wooden. Um, for me, this is such a shame. To, to get the, these kind of characters on screen together could have been magical. Um, now, the first time I saw it, I hated it. And I, I, I'm going to give it another chance. I am going to go and see this again because I saw a trailer today and, I, and the trailer looked good. But like mm. I said, that's because most of the good bits were in the trailer. The, the, the one part that I really liked was the, the flashbacks to the, the actors in previous films. Yeah, so when they were clever. much younger and that, that was very clever. And I, I did enjoy that part of the film um, very much. So actually it was probably my favorite part of the film, mm. but nonetheless, I, I like what you said about, yeah, not building that emotional connection with them because they've stolen, stolen the money. But oceans eight, you built up yeah. a connection. You you had this likability to these women that that have stolen all this money. Just 
just because they've stolen it doesn't mean you can instantly dislike them. You can like these characters. You, you can, they can build that emotional connection, yeah, but, but, but they also, lacked that massively. But, but also there's the, there's the um, flip side of that, that you can make the characters unlikable Therefore, we're rooting for the police. So we're rooting for these guys to get caught. But, but again, didn't but th that didn't happen no. because the police weren't introduced in, into the film in, right until the end. And like I said, the chief detective was clearly an extra, very wooden, and really didn't offer much to the film. So before I ask you the question, and one thing I do want to touch on was was the language um, oh, in yeah. this film. You know, it was bad. I'm talking about the C word, and I'm talking double figures. Now... I've got a lot of respect for Gambon, Winston, Broadbent, um, Michael Caine, but I don't actually want to see these guys at this age saying the C word again and again and again. I just don't think it works once, maybe twice, for dramatic effect to pull the audience back in. But just to have them saying it again and again, it was too much for me. It really was too much. I, and I, I, I don't like language for the sake of it and there was there was just too much of it it just felt like they were using that as a way of reinforcing the fact that these are criminals these <laughs> guys these guys are nasty bit of works mm. in their past you know they've done some nasty things in the past mm. and 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 to use that kind of language it really you know it was getting in other people's faces and and using it and over and over and over again it just just didn't work did it mm. at all um i'm gonna ask you the question first actually okay david the king of thieves is it worth it Ah, this, this this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to say I, I don't think this film is worth seeing in the cinema um, simply because I just think it's too slow. Um, I, as a heist movie, I don't think it works uh, and I think it's a real waste of a phenomenal cast. So for me, uh, actually, no, I don't think King of Thieves is worth it. And, and I completely agree with you. And I'd, I'd add the fact that it's just not entertaining enough to be seen in the cinema. It doesn't have the anything to warrant it being on the big screen at all it, mm. you could watch this in your home and be equally equally in, enjoy it as you would yeah. in the cinema if that makes any sense yeah and just having a, a quick look at the critical reception it's got it's not been good it's got a number of bad reviews along the lines of the pace is wrong and I would say this if it wasn't for Michael Caine Gambon Winston Broadbent this would be pretty disastrous mm. because what they do is they take what they've got and they give the best possible performance and 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 you've got to respect them for that but unfortunately the material they've got the script they've got is pretty dire thank you for that David <laughs> you're welcome You're listening to Is It Worth It, the Film Review Podcast. Both Craig and David are Cineworld Unlimited cardholders. For just £17.90 a month, see any film, anytime, as many times as you like. Enjoy 10% off snacks and drinks, exclusive preview screenings of upcoming releases, and unlimited customers can now enjoy 25% off food and drink at Café Rouge, Bella Italia, Las Iguanas, La Tasca and Velga. The Oscars are fastly approaching and there's no better time to become unlimited. With films like First Man, A Star Is Born, Venom and Aquaman, now is a good time to join. And you can get £10 off your first month subscription. Just use the code ISITSWORTHIT. It's all one word. Welcome back. It's now time to review The Predator and I know both me and Craig are quite excited for this review. So... What's this film about? Well, the answer is I'm not 100% sure, but I'll give it a go. Um, the film begins with um, 
a lovely three seconds worth of us floating through space. And in my opinion, that opening three seconds was the best part of this film. I thoroughly enjoyed that three seconds. Uh, and then we see an alien spaceship zooming through space. Um, and due to lazy writing, it goes through a portal, comes out the other side uh, and basically crashes into Earth. Um, said alien gets out of uh the uh, said spacecraft and starts uh, shooting various people. Um, all sorts of things happen. Um, his armor is lost, um, taken by um, a soldier who's in the vicinity of the uh, of the crash uh, on another job. Uh, he ends up then sending uh, this uh, suit of armor, including the alien's helmet, to his son. Uh, his son uh, is on the autistic spectrum. He's an in incredibly uh, clever young boy. And actually one of the better parts of the film is when some bullies knock over his um, chessboard, actually two or three chessboards, and he manages to remember from his mind where all the pieces were and put them back together. I thought that was quite an effective and snappy way of showing just how intelligent he was. Anyway, he then gets hold of this helmet, starts to play around with it, and seemingly that causes him to send out some sort of alert or distress call to various other aliens who then arrive on planet earth it's a very convoluted film uh, and here's a clip before we start our review Yes, uh, that was probably the most appropriate clip that we could source mm. due to uh, a phenomenal amount of swearing within Indeed. this film. Um, and and uh, yes, this is an absolute mess of a film. Mm, it's it's yeah, I agree. It's it's not disappointing, and we'll we'll come on to that. Well, it is disappointing, but yeah. it isn't at the same time. But it, one thing it most definitely is is a catastrophic mess. The the best way I can describe the film is. It's an enjoyable mess. So you, there are elements that you enjoy. It's entertaining, but it is such a mess. The, the plot is all over the place. Mm. You've got these alien predators coming to Earth, hunting people, and then hunting each other. They're, they're, it's really hard to distinguish which predator is which. And, and, and because of that, you're so confused. You're like, it's, what it's the very hell confusing. is going on here? Now, Shane Black um, was in one of the previous Predator films and then he went off and directed Iron Man 3 and then 20th Century Fox came along and said, hey, Shane, do you want to write and, and direct the, the, the next Predator film? Um, and he obviously jumped on the chance to do that and, uh, and, and, and has produced this. But this film has been tinged with problems before it even came out. Um, you know, Olivia Munn went on record with uh, with saying that one of the actors that Shane Black had cast um, was a a sexual predator and uh, didn't want to actually work with him and forced them to cut the scenes from the film that she had to play with him, um, play alongside him with, and uh, yeah, an absolute disaster. Number one, Shane, why would you cast somebody like that in your film? Number two, I know he was your friend. Mm. It's a shambles. He's a sexual predator. The title of the film 
is the predator. Yeah. It's just uh, bemusing. I mean, we, we won't get into the details of whether we think it's right or wrong for someone who who's had a past and a history of doing that to be in a Hollywood film. I imagine most people would say no. But to cast them in a film called The Predator, I mean, it is absolute lunacy. I mean, you couldn't make it up. And worse than that, there's some lines in this film that are actually almost hinting because we've obviously got one of the leads as a female and um, sh- there's a number of lines that are quite predatory. It directed uh, at her as well. At her. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of casting a sexual predator in the film The Predator, it, that, I mean, it's it's an absolute howler um, and it's one of many in this film. Um, one of the main sort of premises or uh plot features in this film is that these aliens, these predators are upgrading themselves. They're traveling around the universe, taking DNA from various species, including humans to upgrade themselves. But we're not sure why we're not sure what's going on. I mean, there's a point in the film where everyone is killing everyone. So you've got the, the apparent good guys. And by the way, the good guys, and I don't mean this in an offensive way, because this is the term the film uses. The good guys are a collection of escaped lunatics um, and and that's how they are described in the film. The bad guys but, are, but, but they are ex-military as ex-military, well. Ex-military, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, the the film classifies them as loonies, and they talk about the loony bin and, and the loony bus and all this kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and they're at another point fighting a, a group of people who want to get hold of the predators, and then the predators come in and start killing everyone. And then the predators start killing themselves. And there's one scene, I think it's near the end of the film, where everyone is shooting everyone, and you're sat there thinking, well. well who am I cheering for? What's going on? Preferably, I wish the whole bloody lot of them would just get blown up because it was that bad. The strange thing about this film, though, at the same time, is there were some entertaining moments. So there were... Oh, blimey. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the podcast is descending into a fast now like the film. No, and there were some entertaining moments and the you know there were some funny moments, but as a whole film, as a science fiction film, it just felt way, way off. Like... It was almost like slapstick comedy, Um, you know, your mum jokes, one-liners. The whole film was full of zingy one-liners and and cheesy uh, moments, almost like the whole film was a long trailer. Mm. Um, And then also the the violence in the film was really like um, the Final Destination films. So the deaths were so over the top, you know, people being impaled on spikes, you know, people on motorbikes losing their heads number of times where people were chopped in half and their guts would fall out. You know that over-the-top Final Destination-style horror? Then, you know, uh, uh, um, the child who who had autism that I thought actually gave a really brilliant performance... From the beginning. From the beginning, is given nothing to work with. And there's this ridiculous moment where he's got hold of this alien uh, predator helmet and it's Halloween, so you've got lots of kids sort of running around dressed as Frankenstein and Dracula and then he's walking down the road, this tiny little child with this huge alien predator mask on him (laughs) and everyone's obviously thinking, oh, well, it's just a Halloween costume until two rockets come out of it and blow up a house. No repercussions, no police. And the whole time this is going on where there's a, you know, predator is running around and people running around with machine guns there seems to be no police there seems to be no uh news coverage so we get no sense of of what is actually happening the ending is disastrous i mean totally catastrophic a cheesy cheesy unfunny punchline and then it just cuts to the trailers um to the trailers to the uh credits uh-huh. i apologize um <laughs> film hadn't even started <laughs> yeah yeah um so i've waffled a bit but what what are you Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I, 
I think credit where credit is due. Olivia Munn did a pretty good job with what she was given. Um, she was probably one of the, the better parts of the film uh, in the way that she acted within the film. Um, I, I mean, you had uh, Alfie Allen as well, Lily Allen's brother. Um, he, he's generally a pretty, a pretty good actor. He's in Game of Thrones and, and whatnot. And uh, I, they underutilised him quite significantly. I mean, all of the supporting military men or ex-military men, the, the lunatics, as you were saying, were barely used within the film, really, to to the extent where you wanted to know a bit more about them. Um, but uh, um, unfortunately, um, nothing was really explored enough to really give us any emotional connection mm. to them, especially when their deaths came about. Um, probably giving a bit of a, a spoiler there, but to be honest with you, I'm going to ask you the question. <laughs> well, uh, before we go on to that, oh, you got um, a little bit more. I've got um, I've got a message from one of our listeners. Um, uh, it's from KJ, uh, and KJ says, uh, "Saw the Predator. It was very funny at times, although the acting was very cheesy." Uh, he thought the dynamic of the team was excellent, and I could see where he's coming from there. Yeah. He said the Predator bits were okay, uh, but the the people made the film, and not because they were great actors, but because the comedy bits were funny. And he says this sort of misses the point of the Predator franchise, really. Um, he said there was lots of gore as expected, uh, a fun film uh, with an almost uh, comic ending. Um, and I know what um, KJ is saying there. Um, you know, the act the actors didn't make the film in the sense they were good actors. They made the film because they managed to deliver the the some moments of the film that were comedic. I mean, Sterling uh, K. Brown is one of the lead actors in this. He is phenomenal. Um, he was brilliant in the TV series The People vs. O.J. Simpson. If you haven't seen that, I think it's still available on Netflix. You've got to see it. It's, it is superb drama. Uh, he's been in a number of other films. He's a brilliant actor. Had no chance to show his ability here there oh was... no definitely not I mean what about that scene where he goes into the alien spacecraft and he walks up to it no sunglasses he walks into it he's then got sunglasses on in almost like a slow motion shot to look cool and then takes his sunglasses off that sums this film up it's just like one long trailer and yes there's funny bits but as our overall uh, Predator film it's it's pretty rubbish yeah I agree uh, David the Predator is it worth it for me, this is not worth seeing in the cinema. Uh, I just don't think it's it, it's very good. Like I said, there are good bits, but overall, as a Predator film, I think this is way off the mark. It feels more like a, a low-budget slapstick comedy. Um, however, saying that, if you are invested in the Predator franchise, you really have no choice but to see it. But I imagine when you do see it, you'll be disappointed. Mm. And please do get in contact with the show if you are a big Predator fan and let us know what you thought of this um, film. A film that felt like it was some sort of bizarre experiment. Like the the directors have been boiling test tubes and just filming people shooting each other. It's some sort of bizarre, out-of-control experiment. Yeah. It was very odd, very strange, not worth it. Yes, so it's that time again where we take a look at the uh, latest news and recently then the uh, latest Captain Marvel trailer um, dropped very recently and it looks fantastic. So it shows uh, Carol Danvers, who's played by Brie Larson. Finally, there's some footage of what she's going to look like and it honestly looks absolutely amazing. Um, you've got Samuel Jackson who carries on playing Nick Fury, but it's the film is set in 19. 19- 90, so they've completely digitally remastered the way that Samuel Jackson looks to make him look like his 90s counterpart, which is 
for the entire film, which um, you get your first look within the trailer of that. And it looks really amazing, actually, what they've been able to do. Um, and it's definitely worth a look if you're if you're a big Marvel fan like I am. It's definitely worth taking a look at that trailer and just seeing what the fuss is all about about this film. Definitely. If you yeah. haven't seen it yet, have you? No. Definitely have a little watch of that. It's really, really good. Really, really exciting. And our second piece of news comes from me, and um, <clears throat> it's that we've got a first look at Joaquin Phoenix, um, who is going to be playing the Joker uh, in an upcoming film. Uh, it looks like it's got a very good cast. Robert De Niro's also involved. Uh, I've got a picture here in front of me of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, and it is just a dishevelled-looking Phoenix with, like, a mop on his head. Um, but nonetheless, the reason I'm telling you about this news is that I think this could be um, a really fantastic performance. I think Joaquin Phoenix is a superb actor. I absolutely love um, his work. I thought he was phenomenal um, in the film Walk the Line where he played Johnny Cash. I think yep. it was an outrage that he didn't win uh, Best Actor at the Oscars. Uh, he was also brilliant in the film we recently saw, You Were Never Really Here. Mm -hmm. And I just think what his Joker will have is layers. I think he'll be very complex. I don't think he'll be a Heath Ledger unhinged Joker. I think it'll be a much darker Joker and I don't think it'll be a Jack Nicholson in your no. face brash laughing Joker. I think this is going to be a really dark Joker because the well, film focuses on the origin well, of yeah, the Joker. Yeah, exactly. It it isn't the Joker at all. It's it's Arthur. So this is this is going back to before he was he, he is even the Joker. But we so, will see him become the Joker. I don't think we will. I think this will oh. be just before um he becomes a Joker. It will, it, it it will, or right at the end this it's that transformation transformation into the Joker. Um, I, I believe it's going to be a real character study about how Arthur becomes the Joker. Um, and it's a real interesting take because you, we haven't really had that before within the DC uh, comic universe. And it's mainly been, you know, real high profile um you know, uh, uh, superhero films, you know, with, with Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman, which was actually a really great superhero film from DC. And I think the DC universe have really been struggling for a long time to produce really good films. I think films. this is outside of the DC universe, though. Is it? Yes, I believe that's what the article suggests. Mm, uh, and, it, and it seems to be quite... Uh, it's quite interesting we're bringing you news and we're not sure <laughs> <laughs> um, ourselves, but nonetheless, the film um, is going to be called Joker, or that's the name it's currently got, um, it's due for release on the 4th of October 2019. Uh, it looks like it's got a fairly small budget, but it might be a film that's really needed. Like I said, we haven't got that Heath Ledger Joker, which is, in my opinion, an absolute world-stopping performance. I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker is sensational, mm. but it's very unhinged and what we're going to do next. And then you've got um, Nicholson's Joker, very laughy and in your face. And it would be great to see how the Joker was formed and to get a real sort of um, deep, dark character analysis. So mm. uh, look out for Joker, which is going to be out in about a year's time. Yeah. Uh, so the third piece of news is about the Se next... Third piece of news? Yeah, we've had three. You just said the first piece of news. I said third. You definitely said first. Oh, I definitely said third. But anyway, the third piece of news is uh, the latest Space Jam film. Uh, there is going to be a sequel. Uh, which is amazing because, uh, well, we, you and I, we grew up um, 
watching Space Jam as children and and was as a child that was one of my favourite films. You know, Michael Jordan, the Looney Tunes, and nineties uh, was it? it? Must have been about yeah. the nineties. Yeah, yeah, mid nineties, I'd say. Um, but this time it's being produced by Ryan Coogler. So he was the uh, is director. it going to star? I have I know nothing about this. LeBron James. Yeah. Yep. What a guess that was. Well, the, the, um, Ryan Coogler was the uh, director of Black Panther. So this could be an interesting uh, uh, Space Jam sequel. I, that you know. does sound exciting. Yeah, it does. And and it'd be very interesting to see where they're going to go with it. But it's uh, obviously going to be another basketball film of some sort. Well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I imagine the Looney Tunes will most likely be involved as well. well I hope <laughs> we so. Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a LeBron James documentary. Uh, no, and next bit of news, Craig's looking at me with... Judgmental eyes. Um, James Bond, 25, gets true detective director Kerry Fukunaga. Um, And I hope I've pronounced that right. Um, The release date has been delayed, but um, obviously Danny Boyle uh, was due to direct James Bond, 25. Um, That all fell through, uh, throwing the production into disarray. Um, Reported that he left uh, the project... um, due to creative differences. I think he had an idea of where he wanted to go with it and there was some sort of uh, fallout. So there's been a lot of speculation, not only about who's going to direct, but is this Daniel Craig's last Bond? Who's the next Bond going to be? Is it going to be Idris Elba? Is it going to be Tom Hardy? Um, is it going to be Rowan Atkinson? Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of a lot of talk. But um, yeah, so we have the, uh, the director announced, uh, Kerry Fukunaga, and um, I'm looking forward to the next instalment in yeah, the James Bond series. And while we're on James Bond, I really think Daniel Craig has done a superb job. I think he's been in four Bond films so far. And apart from the second one, which had that really long name, which I can't remember. Yep. So the second film was Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Uh, then obviously... Um, Skyfall and uh, Spectre. He's he's been a brilliant Bond, and I'm looking forward to this last film. And I hope it's a fantastic finale for someone who's really brought Bond to a new level of of intriguing drama. Almost, you know, you I when he first became James Bond for me, Piers Brosnan was James Bond. That's who I grew up with. But watching those Bond film back they were ridiculously cheesy, you know, with John Cleese, you know, giving him various gadgets. And these have gone much more serious, much, much darker. I thought Skyfall was superb. Mm. Um, Casino Royale is one of my favourite Bond films ever, actually. So I'm really excited about this next Bond film. And once it's out, we then have the um, excitement of who the next Bond is going to be. For me, Tom Hardy. And in other news, a major airline has had to send its plane back to the shop after spelling its own name wrong. And that was the news brought to you by Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. So our next film that we're going to be reviewing together is Mile 22. So this film stars Mark Wahlberg uh, as our main protagonist. He's playing the uh, character um, James Silver. Um, He is like a high-functioning secret task force agent um basically they can deny all plausibility the american government that this task force actually exists and they do all the jobs that uh, everybody else really can't or won't won't be able to do um and essentially this film is about um uh, this 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 
intelligence officer and the elite tactical command that go in to try and smuggle out this mysterious police officer um, along this 22-mile stretch of um, uh, road um, to get him back to, to the US so he mm. can then give them some information. And that's the basic premise of this film. Um I'm going to kick it off by saying that we have vastly different opinions on this film. Mm. And, and and my opinion on the film straight off the bat was that I just really didn't enjoy the film. Whilst there was some fantastic action in the film, it was let down by these long-winded scenes that went on and on and on. And it was mainly Mark Wahlberg's character that, that was doing that. Now, I know that David's going to say that he had a plausible reason for the way that he was speaking and the, and how long he was going uh, speaking for. Um, but in that sense, when you're watching that unfold on the screen, it really makes you feel like you're watching a film. You you don't feel like you're you're uh, completely immersed in uh, within the film. Um, it just highlights that point that you're watching something on the screen and something unfold and. And for me, it, that, did, that didn't work. Um, let's have a look at a clip. This clip is uh, a bit more of the action that goes on within the film. Um, and then we'll come back for the main review. Where's the sick? Child one, mother. Status. Looks like the threats are breaking contact. Check the tape. Where did we miss? Rewinding footage. Bishop. This motorcycle's placed something on the side of the vehicle. So as you can hear, we've got a really great cast within this film. John Malkovich plays the character Bishop and uh, he's in the command centre where they refer to him as Mother. Um, and then you've got Lauren Cohen as well, who's on the ground force team with Mark Wahlberg. And yeah, there is some really great elements to the film. Um, the action to me, for me was 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 pretty decent. Um, and you've got uh, Aiko uh, Yue, who does a lot of um, sort of, karate style fighting i'm not sure what you'd say it was but it was it was pretty decent kung fu style fighting i guess martial arts martial arts of some sort yeah mm. he's definitely going to be the next uh sort of jackie chan or well, well a, a lot of the initial reviews basically say that his abilities are wasted because as a character he spends most of the time in handcuffs yeah well, which I is mean, bizarre when you've got someone who's utterly incredible at martial arts like you said to basically have him as well, uh, in, hand, in handcuffs when he was in handcuffs that there was a particular scene where he um, ends up having to fight whilst in handcuffs mm. and I thought that scene was absolutely amazing mm. and there needed to be more scenes like that there was for me too much dialogue from from Mark Wahlberg which was just just too much of what he was saying. It didn't make any sense to me personally why he was saying these things. It just went on and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> what did you think? So Mark Wahlberg's character, James Silver, the, the director does show us a bit of his past. So um, we are told uh, it, 
literally told and also shown through some uh, clips when he is young that they believe he is, again, uh, possibly high-functioning autism or, uh, well, alongside that, he also has ADHD. So they can see that he's an incredibly intelligent child, but he is so full on and everything's mm. quick and fast and his mind is moving a hundred times faster than everyone else so the words are coming out a hundred times faster uh, and we see a clip where in his youth his mum gives him um like a, a wristband like a um an elastic band and every time he feels anxious or hyperactive he pulls this wristband and i yeah. will admit he continues to do that in his adult life and it's a it's the director's way of showing us it's Mark Wahl Wahlberg trying to slow down, but that is quite annoying. However, I like Mark Wahlberg's character and I'll tell you why. I thought it was really refreshing to have um, a quite complex and troubled lead male. So there's no doubt that Wahlberg's character is incredibly intelligent. Obviously, he's a fantastic um, uh, soldier as well. He's brilliant with, with his guns and he's fit, as Mark Wahlberg is. And we saw his schedule of how Mark Wahlberg actually yeah, lives. Yeah, gets up at two o'clock every day and has like four meals around a golf and a gym workout and before. That's, that's 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, 2, 2 a.m. But, you know, so he's, he's, he's been to the gym and done a round of golf uh, all before he takes his kids to school. So he's in brilliant shape and his character is in great shape. But mentally, he... We've been told he has ADHD, but he clearly in, in his adult life that develops into some sort of personality disorder and they, they hint that he's emotionally unstable. And I think Wahlberg plays this character really well. And I, I like this character because I think it keeps you on the edge of your seat. I like the fact that he is actually quite annoying and that we don't just have, you know, a lead role where it's, you know, look at me and love me. He's actually quite annoying and in your face and very focused on the job and his mind is so ahead of everyone else's that he can see where he wants to go and how he wants to do things. I mean, I wasn't looking forward to this film because before seeing the film, I saw the trailer and I thought the trailer was pretty terrible. Um, I saw the trailer again uh, today before I saw The Predator and again, I thought the trailer was pretty terrible. But as a film... I actually quite enjoyed this. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. I, saw, I thought the action was good. Um, and I just liked Mark Wahlberg's character. I could relate to Mark Wahlberg's character. I think John Malkovich is fantastic. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's a fantastic film. Don't get me wrong. But compared to what I thought it was going to be like, uh, I was quite impressed. Uh, and I actually quite enjoyed it. And when we came out, me and Craig often have little arguments about films. And the strange thing is, is when he likes a film, I tend to dislike it, which causes arguments as we leave the cinema. He said he hated it, and I thought he was winding me up because I didn't think it was as bad as, as you thought. No, I, I, just, I, I just felt that the director could have portrayed Mark Wahlberg's uh, ADHD in a, in a different way. Um, the way that he was shooting it really made me feel uncomfortable. And, 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 and sometimes, yes, that, that works in the film, but it just made me realise that I was sitting in a cinema watching a film because the way that Mark Wahlberg portrayed that character didn't work for me it just it you know it could spend at least five minutes reeling off a load of information uh and 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 uh which a lot of people would get information overload listening to that um i'm not saying that you have to dumb these films down for people to 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 get the information that they need but there, there are other ways to show that this person has this uh, adhd 
Um, and I, th I thought we saw that better in, in The Predator with the child. Yeah. I think that came across a little bit better in, within that film. But <clears throat> yes, Mark Wahlberg is a high-functioning human being and he does these things. I, I just felt there was way more, a better way to show it, without a doubt. I mean, the strange thing is, is the, f the film is called Mile 22 and they're trying to get this uh, criminal th along this 22-mile um, stretch of road to an air to a, a, a an airstrip where they can then fly him to the states because he has uh, basically a memory card with really important information and the Russians want it and the Americans want it and we're not quite sure what's on it but they've got to get him there but actually that part of the film the mile twenty two part is quite short I mean it takes a long long time to get there um, which like Craig said in 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 some ways is a bit of a shame and th and there was one or two shootout scenes that weren't really necessary. So tension was built, the characters survived. Oh, look, there's more people with guns. Tension's built, they survived. And it's a bit like, okay, well, how many times are they going to survive? Like, we don't need all of this. The mm. film was, in a, in a way, too long. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I think it's a masterpiece. I'm just saying, personally, I think it's better than you think it is. And I think some of the critics may have missed the point with this film. Well, and the other point I wanted to make was that they had, what, 15 minutes to get to the, the, the 22nd mile? And... That fifteen minutes unfolded within an hour and something of the film. So they, I'm, not, they, I'm not sure it was that long, but yeah, they drew they drew it out massively. This this and you know they said right, we've done twelve miles, we've got another twelve miles to go, and 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 the film, you know, and you've got ten minutes. Left ten miles to, to go. Well, it was twenty two miles. Yeah, twelve plus ten. 22. Uh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mile 24, Craig. Well, no, no, what was it? Uh, two plus two is four. Minus one, that's three quick maths. <laughs> <laughs> maths is not my forte. No, we but can the, tell. But I'm the, joking. But I'm the, joking. Point, the point that I'm making is that the, the, the way that time expanded within this film and, and, and the way that they dealt with it, it just didn't feel right or mm. natural. It, it they drew drew it out massively. However, I did, I liked the beginning of the film when you know when they walked up to the the door of a, in a neighbourhood and knocked on the door and and you know you realise actually these two characters aren't normal human beings. They're yeah. part of a task force. Yeah. And I liked the way that that unfolded. And you know th there were some nice elements within the film, but overall for me, um, th this film wasn't worth it. But for you, David, Mile Twenty Two. Is it worth it? Yes. Uh, I, I think this film is worth seeing in the cinema. I think Mark Wahlberg, personally, I think he gives a very good performance. I think John Malkovich is uh, very good, as always. Look, there are problems with this film. It tries to be much more philosophical than it needs to be. Some of Mark Wahlberg's speeches are really heavy, and they try to be really smart, and, and, and sometimes they're not. But nonetheless... I think this is worth seeing in the film. I think there's some some good action. Um, the martial arts scenes are very effective. And what I would say most about this film is that it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So for me, um, I think if you go to the cinema to see this, uh, I don't think you'll be blown away, but I don't think you'll be disappointed. Welcome back. It's now time for another film review and Craig will be reviewing The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Unfortunately, I had the man flu last week. I'm still hanging on to remnants of that flu, so I wasn't able to see this film, which is a great shame. But we have the privilege of a one-man review from Craig. So, Craig, take it away. 
So the Miss Educational Cameron poster, this stars Chloe Grace Marites. Uh, she grows up, a te- she's a teenager in the early 90s and uh, she is gay. And uh, you see at the beginning of the film her exploring her sexuality um, until she is caught um, on her prom night um, uh, having... Um, Relations, sexual relations with a, a another teenage girl, and and then is forced to go to a a gay conversion therapy center um, by her guardians. So I say guardians because she's tragically lost her parents in a car accident, um, and uh, she grows up uh, a, a Christian, and and you see early on in the film that. Um, that they're reading Bible portions and and um, ed- being educated about homosexuality as well and how it's it's somewhat frowned upon. Um, when she gets to the the gay conversion therapy centre, they they don't necessarily say it's 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 wrong or it, it's it's bad. It, they simply believe that homosexuality is an illness and uh, and that they're trying to correct this and mm-hmm. and show that. A man and a woman must be together and have relations rather than women and women and men and men. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor that's leading um, this this conversion uh, therapy center, she's a, a psychologist of some sort, and she really strongly believes that what she's doing is is right. And it, it's never really said within the film that what what they're what they're trying to achieve is is wrong. It's it's almost for the characters, such as Chloe Grace Marites's character, to to find herself whether she thinks it's right or whether she thinks it's wrong, and and she ends up going to this conversion center, and instead of being corrected, uh, and I say that with my hands up in the air and and quote marks going up, mm-hmm. um, that she she's she finds that actually. She, this isn't wrong. This is this is her decision. This is you know, God doesn't need to interfere with that. You know, there there's there's you know quite a lot of religious things that go on within the film, and it you know she's she, along the way she she really does have to question what's going on, and and the the free lead teenagers within the film all have come to this center for various reasons um, that you know. The, the the religion says that what they they are is wrong and 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 has to, and well not wrong but is an illness of some sort and has to be corrected and this is a real really poignant film to have out now um now more than ever as well especially with um the way uh, america is at the moment it's it's really highlighting um that, that these correction centers are popping up all the time um in america and i I did watch an interview with chloe grace maritas who was who who did say that this is is a has come out at at a real specific time in 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 america's history and 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 these views have to be challenged um Mm. david you you are a christian yourself Mm. um i know you haven't seen the film but what would your view be of seeing if you had seen this film? I mean, I would absolutely love to see this film and I'm um, sort of upset uh, that I haven't seen it. I mean, without delving into politics and religion, Mm. um, I totally agree with what you said. I think it's um, a fantastic uh, 
theme for a film. It's a fantastic subject and it's a film that should definitely be made. I mean, in terms of the Christian attitude towards homosexuality, it's very much like all religions. You have moderates, you have extremists, you have um, some people that would be looked down upon by other Christians for saying they think there's nothing wrong with homosexuality, for except, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And it's all very complicated. And I don't want to get into the, the per, my personal beliefs or, or or whether the church is right or wrong. But I will say I I commend the um, the actors, the, the director for making this film, because like you said, this is something, like it or not, like Black Klansmen, that is so poignant right now. Um, America is divided, um, you know, racially divided, um, economically divided um religiously divided you know the christians are very christian and the atheists in america are very atheists and they don't get on well and it, and it, and it's a real shame and you know with things like um <clears throat> brexit happening in the uk uh, and the and the uk will have much more control over its own laws uh and discrimination legislation for example the eu has uh, universal discrimination legislation will be able to write our own and that may mean that centres like this could come about in the UK. I just think it's a fantastic um, concept for a film and from what you said, it sounds like it's been executed um, incredibly well. And I'm I'm definitely one of those Christians that encourages films like this to be made. Even if um, my religion, and again, I'm doing quotation marks above my head, is portrayed in a bad way. It's like when people said, oh, the passion of the Christ shouldn't have been made. Well, I think it should. You know, the recent Mary Magdalene film, a lot of Christians kicked up a fuss about that. Why? You know, we, as a Christian myself, we, we cannot follow a, a faith and a religion and then moan when um, films are made that are anti our religion brilliant make more of them you know that that's the whole point you know it's a debate it's a faith um so i commend um wholeheartedly the everyone involved in the making of this film and i actually uh, really look forward to seeing it when it comes out but well to be honest with you um the film i think it really should be seen by a, a, a real wide audience but unfortunately the film didn't have a massive general release in the uk and it as soon as it went in it went out again within two weeks in mm, in, in the big cinemas and i think it is showing a few sort of smaller art house films um so if in your if you're in the local area um there are a few cinemas that might still be showing it um, and especially in london they might be still showing it but um if you can go and see this do because i think it's a really worthwhile film it's beautifully shot as well um and there's some really great scenes in the film um too yeah definitely worth it yeah and it's it's certainly a film that if you go and see it it's it's going to spark debate and um get you talking and really that's what film is all about From the 1st of October, Starbucks, located within Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead, will be opening its doors from 8am. So if you like a cup of the dark roast as much as I do, or a croissant, why not head down to Starbucks, located in Cineworld, Hemel Hempstead? Please drink caffeine responsibly. So our last review of this episode is Cold War. So this is a, a different film to, to what we would usually review. Usually we, we tend to go to the, the films that are on wider release um, and have a lot more um, people going to see it. This film, however, is um, brought to us by Curzon Home uh, Cinema or Curzon Artificial Eye. And uh, it's mainly in Curzon Cinemas. 
Um, and this film is very different. It, first of all, it's a foreign film. Um, it's Polish. It has subtitles. Um, it's shot in black and white. It's four. <laughs> it's four three aspect ratio. So it's not the conventional cinema um, two three to one or two three five to one aspect ratio like we'd get in the normal cinema. Um, and yeah, it's it's a, a romance and it's a drama and it's set in the 1950s. So it's it's, it's during the Cold War. Sounds as heavy. It says. It, it Black and heavy, white, Polish, Cold War, it's, subtitles. It's it take it, it it's set during the Cold mm. War, but it doesn't feature heavy the Cold War. Yeah. So obviously you've got the background of of these two characters. So you've got um uh, a male and a female, and 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 they end up falling in love with each other, and and they're both from two very different backgrounds, um, and it follows their their love as it grows, and as they fall out of love, and, and fall back into love again, and and the ups and downs of of, of love, and it, it the fact that it's shot in four three and and in black and white really gives you that sense of being in that era, and mm. it's it's such a beautifully shot film. The, the 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 female protagonist within the film is she's absolutely beautiful she really is and oh well i don't know if you can say that craig are you allowed to say that in the modern day yeah i think you can Ooh, I, well you know, why if, why i'm saying this if if you'd like to complain please do email us at my mail is worth it at gmail.com <laughs> well the reason why i'm saying that is that they've selected her to in this way and and, and shown her to be a very beautiful female mm. is because the, the way the film is, is shot and the way it's it's viewed is very heavy in the male gaze so mm. you do get that feeling that it's it's mainly from the the uh, male main protagonist's point of view um and you do get um, you don't get that sense of who she is from her point of view. Um, it's it's mainly from his point of view, which which, which is from what you're saying, he's clever. It's yeah, clever. Yeah, and 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 the way and the way it's shot, it really it really highlights that. For me, it, it would have been nice to have more of what she was seeing from her point of view, mm. but it's 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 all coming from his point of view. Um, but I suppose that makes sense, having not seen it 1950s. You know, just after well, not. Uh, too long after the war, it was a very male-dominated society, and the exactly the, the 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 role of females in society was very different to what it is now. So, I like the fact you said it's shot in black and white, and it's shot from that perspective. I think that gives a great perspective of of when and where the film was shot. Yeah. So, um, there's been the critics have really, really loved this film, and and for the fact that I thought I wasn't actually going to be able to see it because I couldn't it was on a limited release it wasn't in many cinemas it wasn't a, a wide general release at all um you know really um upset me a little bit but then I found out that Curzon Home Cinemas released their films in the cinema and online as well at the same time so if you want to watch this film and I highly recommend that you do it's it's very different um if you're not somebody who enjoys subtitled films or even black and white films um you know you may want to give this a miss but I think every now and then watching these sorts of films, um, I, I really do like watching uh, the French New Wave films. So uh, films like uh, Abuda Suf um, and uh, a few other French New Wave films that I, I watched during film studies. Um, I, I really connected with the characters in a very mm. different way to the, how the blockbuster films um, give you give you the, the, the characters. It, it, it's, it's different and it's a nice way to, to watch 
you know something different for once and and the fact that i could watch it in the comfort of my own home knowing that it's in a cinema somewhere as well mm. you know it gave me that opportunity to to relax in my own home and watch it at the same time and then bring you the review which um yeah it's, it's worth it it's worth it would be worth going to see in the cinema i think it would be not <laughs> it, it would be nice to see it in the cinema mm. but you have that option to watch it at home as well if you can't get out to the cinema yeah um but yeah no worth it for sure so craig cold war is it worth it? Yes. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm surprised you said that. No, um, Craig's been uh, talking a lot about this film. He's really encouraged me to see it. And he liked it so much that he's brought it onto the podcast, and I think that's great. Um, and if Craig recommends it, let me tell you, it's a good film. So go out and see Cold War or watch it in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. DVD, DVD. Is it worth it? DVD. So the DVD I would like to recommend this week is Deadpool 2. It came out on DVD and Blu-ray on September the 17th. It stars Ryan Reynolds and Josh Brolin. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, I don't think it was as funny as the first, but it was still highly entertaining, very well made, and it has some fantastic action sequences. So if you enjoyed the first Deadpool, make sure you go out and purchase Deadpool 2 on DVD. If you want to listen to our full review of Deadpool 2, it is available on week 11 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And I'd like to recommend On Chesil Beach. That came up within the last seven days. It's starring Saoirse Ronan, and it's the uh, book... Uh, film adaption of the Ian McEwan novel of the same name and if you'd like to listen to our review in full that was on week 12 um, so yeah please go ahead and listen to the previous episodes because it will help you in choosing DVD releases DVD DVD is it worth it DVDs We've now come to the end of week 20. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, it's been a fantastic show. And uh, thank you very much to James for joining us in the studio this week. Uh, mm -hmm. David, week 21, what have we got coming up on that show? Well, as always, we'll be going out of our way to watch all of the films, including the bad ones, so you don't have to. And we'll be kicking off with a simple favour. Uh, we saw this the other night on the Unlimited screening. Um, another perk of being Unlimited. Um, an interesting film, very good cast with Anna Kendrick and... And Blake Lively. Blake Lively. Yeah. We will be reviewing that in full on week 21. Uh, we'll also be taking a look at The House with a Clock in Its Walls. That's uh, Jack Black at his finest. And Kate Blanchett and as well. And Kate Blanchett as well. Um, I am concerned about this. Uh, for our regular listeners, regular cinema goers who've seen the trailer, it is long. And I mean really long. Yeah, and we know what your theory is on long, long trailers. Long trailers often mean bad films. You know, it, it's got a good cast, a good concept. It, the trailer was too long. So, you know, um, I, I don't have high hopes for that film. And I've pretty much seen it, I think, in the trailer. Um, <laughs> what else will we uh, will we be reviewing, Craig? I turn into Jonathan Ross then. Uh, well, there's two other films that we've got on our list, and that's Superfly and The Rider. We'll try and bring those to you. I know one of those might be on a, a, a not such a wide release, so mm. we'll try and get to that one. Um, but we're yeah, it's gonna it should be a good show next week. And um, we do have some messages that we want to read out as well, uh, coming from Twitter. Um, we have the gaming bear. 
there who uh, left us a comment on there about um, crazy rich Asian, Asians, uh, not crazy rich aliens, as I said earlier. <laughs> um, he said, this, uh, or he or she, uh, this is definitely worth seeing. Uh, I'm not a rom-com kind of guy slash bear. So, so it's, it's a definitely man. a man. Yay! Uh, but really enjoyed it. Plenty of funny moments, likable characters and some purposely dislikable characters. Mm. And the colourful, lavish settings really adds to the drama. Fantastic, as usual, from the gaming bear. And we now know that you are a male bear um, because we had no idea. Um, also, thank you very much to Clive for his uh, review of uh, Black Klansman. Uh, I know Craig will get in contact with you to give you some uh, free cinema tickets. We also have another tweet from Marcus, and it's actually about a film that we will be reviewing next week, A Simple Favour. He says, it was seriously good. It had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was definitely worth it. And I know we've had a few other tweets from people who really enjoyed this film. Um, we're not going to give anything away, so make sure you tune in to Week 21 to see if we thought it was worth it. Yeah, so thank you for everyone who leave us some comments and some messages. We've only have a, a few minutes we like to dedicate to mm. to the messages, but um, keep them coming. We do like to hear from you, um, and we like interacting with you on Twitter and Facebook and, and Instagram. And uh, yeah, and we really Dan do. David and on Bumble. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was disastrous. Still disastrous. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we love the interaction on Twitter. So. Um, we really appreciate it. And if you are listening to the podcast and enjoying it, please do recommend it to friends and family. Share it on social media. It's growing and we're having great fun doing it. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Um, we normally end with some sort of shenanigans. So what is it this week, Greg? Well, I'd just like to say... Oh, no. I don't know what he's going to say. The really good way of getting us um, highly visible on... on uh, things like iTunes mm. is if you give us a rating. So if you're ah. on the podcast app right now... Go to the search button, search for Is It Worth It, even though you might probably already are subscribed. Go to the podcast and then scroll to the bottom and then you can you can rate it whatever many stars that you want. Five, Five stars preferably. Five. And then leave a review as well. This makes us highly visible. It some sort of algorithm pushes up uh, uh, pushes our show up higher yeah, so, the, so people other people can the find mathematical well. geniuses at apple have created a system that the more stars you get the more comments you get the more visible you become the bigger your podcast become so if you like the podcast give us five stars if you don't like the podcast give us five stars i'm joking <laughs> we we want reviews we want to improve so um wh whatever way you're listening to us please do give us a review uh, and we look forward to speaking to you wherever you may be listening now in the bed in the shower on the train next week goodbye cheerio then darlings 